So far as I can tell, the pandemic has had a kind of acceleration effect on relationships. Small recurring arguments are now large recurring arguments. Two glasses of wine per night with your spouse has grown into five or seven glasses of wine per night. Minute everyday issues proliferate and are exacerbated as fewer means of blowing off steam are made available. We experience a reduction in human contact and essentially find that there is no way to escape. Today, we speak with Dr. Laura Lewis out of Atlanta, Georgia, who will bring her breadth of experience to couples who may be experiencing tough times as we shelter in place. We will look at the value of reflection, validation, and basic stress management. Dr. Laura Lewis also discusses how the pandemic has affected couples and families across various socioeconomic and cultural and racial lines. In addition, how has the pandemic actually helped marriages? My name is Benjamin Russick, licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is my podcast, Look, Just Tell Me What to Do. So, Dr. Laura Lewis, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, so I'm the owner of Atlanta Couple Therapy, where I teach couples how to rebuild trust after betrayal. I also help couples with intimacy, building effective communication strategies. I'm a speaker. I've done just over a thousand speaking engagements all over the world. Um, I've done work in Asia and Hawaii and Brazil. Um, My work has been featured in NBC, Cosmopolitan, The Wall Street Journal, really like to empower couples and, and help couples have a better relationship. That's fantastic. It sounds like you you get around quite a bit. I I, uh, I wish I had worked up that many miles on my uh, <laughs> travel plan. That's so cool. But you're not traveling now because we're in the middle of a pandemic, unfortunately. Let's just get right into it. How are your couples doing? What are you seeing out there right now? Because it can't be pretty. You know, what I'm seeing a lot of, Benjamin, is that a lot of couples have had increased conflict because they're in the house together all the time, where normally they might have a break between work and home. Now, everything is happening in the same space. And so for some couples, it's caused increased conflict. It's made them more aware of certain issues that before they weren't necessarily aware of because they had all these breaks throughout the Mm -hmm. day. For a lot of couples, it's put an increased strain on their relationship. And then certain couples I see are actually excelling during this time because they're being creative with Mm -hmm. how they can stay connected. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that too. It's like if the marriage is strong, it seems to get stronger. And if the marriage is weak, it seems to get weaker. It's like everything's accelerated. Would you agree with that? That sort of like something's been sped up? Yes, Benjamin, I would definitely agree with that, that I'm seeing that there are couples who are excelling and they're doing really well. They're being creative with their date nights, having picnics or music. And then for other couples, it's just a lot more challenging for them, but it was already a strain there. So so then the strain has increased. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on there. Can you give me any concrete examples? So one situation that I'm seeing come up is a rise in substance use. Say, for example, there's someone who normally they are able to connect with their friends. Normally they're able to have a lot of just social support and be outside and and now they are limited. So going from being seeing your friends every weekend, um, hanging out with your friends to now like you're in the house 
and there's increased conflict, there's a rise in substance use. And so for Mm -hmm. some people, it's the feeling of like, I would rather just drown out all of my problems, all of the stressors, there's financial stress, there's not access to financial resources that Mm -hmm. they used to have access to. Um, losing their job. And so it's a decrease in feeling just like a sense of belonging, a sense that, you know, you matter. And so as a result, there's a lot more drinking. And with mm-hmm. the drinking, is it's decreased the inhibition. So the ability ah. to kind of self-regulate and manage the emotions becomes more limited. That makes a lot of sense. I'm seeing a lot of substance increase too. I work mostly in in substance abuse actually. And uh, luckily a lot of my clients are, are in, have been in recovery for a while. So they, they're like, ah, this is nothing, you know, cause they already experienced their, their bottom as a human being, you know, like lost, mm. you know, families and homes and stuff because their substance. So the pandemic is like, eh, no biggie. But for those in early recovery, it's a lot tougher. Are you seeing people that just that the substance abuse is 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 cropping back up or it's coming up for the first time? I'm seeing that it's, it's creeping back up like it, mm-hmm. it was there kind of in the periphery, like kind of mm-hmm. the background, not not as much of an issue. But then it's an increase in usage. So where once it might have been like a drink or two on the weekend now it's kind of growing into the week, the Oof. weekday. The weekday, yeah, right. Because if you can't start drinking in the, if you don't start drinking in the morning, you can't drink all day, right? <laughs> <laughs> Are you seeing different types of problems among different socioeconomic classes or nationalities or races of people? So, for people who have access to financial resources, it's mm-hmm. not that I'm not seeing as much of a stress managing day to day because mm-hmm. they're able to access support systems that allow for them to have a little bit more like freedom, whether it's um, hiring a nanny or having mm-hmm. someone come in and teach the children or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. having someone come in to clean their house or do a, a full remodel of their home so they have an area of their house specifically dedicated to teaching their kids. And so Mm -hmm. definitely socioeconomic status is Mm -hmm. playing a role for um, the hourly employee where where they are experiencing stress. They really feel it a lot more when there's a dip in their hours or there's a decrease in their their hourly rate, they feel it a lot more and then they don't have as much resources to be able to counter some of the other stress that comes up. Whereas mm-hmm. the couples that I work with that are have higher socioeconomic status, income and education, mm-hmm. um, they just have access to more resources. Are you seeing a difference culturally, like let's say an Asian household versus a white household versus a black household? For instance, in some Chinese families, like they're much more used to, you know, a whole family living in one household. So I would imagine in a way there is more support, not less. I definitely see some cultural differences in one cultural value being community driven or being like more communal by nature. And what you're saying about like living in the same space together is not as much of a problem is just more of a strength factor of like, all right, mom can watch the kids while 
I am working, I see that more in minority communities. I have a group that's called Black Marriage Matters. It's a Facebook mm-hmm. group. And cool. it's just over 11,000 couples inside of, of that group. And mm-hmm. so I have a lot more experience in working with minority couples and particularly mm-hmm. black couples and seeing some of the strengths that exist, like being a part of a community or less individualistic in the sense mm-hmm. of, it's not just about me and what I have, but it's more about like, how can we collectively address a problem that one person inside the family unit is facing? Yeah. I live near a black community and I noticed that even on the street, they're taking really good care of each other. Like you can see the grandparents with the grandkids. You can just see families out there kind of managing each other. It's kind of cool. You know, I'll take the kids here. You take the, you go do the shopping and you do this. And uh, I don't see that in, in, in white neighborhoods. I really don't. I would agree. I don't see it as much as I see it in um, minority communities and particularly African-American communities. Um, Like even me, myself, my mom lives with me. And so Mm -hmm. she's able to like cook the meals. And so (laughs) if I could just go right in and eat. And so it's definitely a major relief for my husband, like having having my mom here. So definitely something that I can relate to personally. And then Mm -hmm. also as a couples therapist, something that I see in my work. Are you seeing more breakups? You know, I'm not seeing as many breakups as I thought I would be seeing. (laughs) Couples are actually coming more in for therapy than I had ever imagined when the pandemic first started, I was a little bit nervous about how we were going to transition as a practice because we typically see people in the office. But I've seen people just say, like, I want to come in, like, however I can get in to schedule an appointment, whether it's Mm -hmm. virtual or otherwise, we need help. Mm -hmm. And so that's made me just recognize the increased need of mental Mm -hmm. health services in a way that I didn't imagine before. And with that increase in people getting counseling, they have more tool sets to be able to manage the stress that they're under. That's interesting. So in a way, the pandemic has helped marriages. It sounds like people are becoming more aware of the importance of mental health. Uh, you know, because they're not, they're not able to distract themselves with work and running around. It's like they can actually kind of palpably feel like, oh my gosh, mental health is actually a thing. One of the things that I'm seeing a lot of is people having problems with sleeping. They try to go to bed, they lay down, but then it's tossing and turning and just feeling like I just cannot get to sleep. One of the things that I've noticed is that people are doing a lot more later in the evening than they would be. Like for some employers, they felt like, oh, okay, people are going to be like working less now that it's virtual. But actually, I'm noticing that a lot of people are working more into the night. And so Mm. while they might normally start to transition from work at 5 p.m., now they might be working at 9, at 10 o'clock. And then the transition to getting ready for bed becomes a bit disturbed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Often they're staring at a computer screen. Actually, there's a cell in your eye that codes for the color for blue light Mm -hmm. and tells your brain to wake up (laughs) because the sky's out. You know, that would make a lot of sense. How do you help them with sleep? Well, there are a few things that I do, Benjamin. One of the things is not eating or drinking at least two hours before bed, getting Mm -hmm. a sleep routine, Mm -hmm. like maybe two hours before bed, starting to dim the lights, maybe Mm -hmm. lighting a soft candle, 
lavender scents also help. There's something with the television where what you were talking about, it impacts the sleep-wake cycle where mm -hmm. um, when you are having bright lights and your eyes is kind of sending this signal to your brain that affects your circadian rhythm that makes you think, oh, I should be up right now. And so all yeah. the neurotransmitters <laughs> start firing of like, okay, get up, brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the thing that I tell my clients is like, okay, we need to start dimming the lights. We need to just start getting your body physically prepared for sleep. And so yeah. for some people that's taking a hot bath, listening to soft music, like wave sounds. And then also I recommend a meditation app. There are a few out there. One of the ones that I like is Insight Timer and also the Calm app. Mm -hmm. uh, and so just kind of getting some coping strategies on how to get physically relaxed in your body can make a mm -hmm. huge difference. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into some solutions here because that's what people want to hear. Uh, what are some of the kind of problems that you've seen, not just with sleep, but with whatever during COVID? And what solutions have you come up with or have you seen occur that have kept people together? Like what kind of communication skills, self-care skills, whatever you want to throw in? So when it comes to communication, a lot of times people may not be listening to the other person. They just kind of wait until they pause so that they can respond. <laughs> and yeah. so I really help couples with slowing down the communication process so mm -hmm. that they are really hearing the other person. And so we do some reflective listening exercises. I have this technique called the Imago Dialogue that I like to use with couples mm -hmm. I work with. What is that? How does that go? So basically how it goes is one person is the listener, one person is the speaker, and it's essentially reflective listening on steroids. So one person uses an I statement. I'll say avoid all you statements because you statements tend to trigger defensiveness in the other yeah. person. Yeah. You did this and you did that. Did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So instead, I say, okay, well, just focus on your feelings and focus on a specific specific situation like sometimes mm -hmm. especially with my women clients that will bring up everything that ever happened you mean like years ago oh my goodness. last year you did this and you're doing the same thing now and so I say, <laughs> <laughs> I say let's just focus on what's happening in this moment so they might say I feel anxious when I see you texting your your female friend because it triggers me and mm -hmm. so then they make a recipe for success where they ask for what they'd like to happen. So it'll make me feel a little bit more comfortable if you stop texting her. That will make me feel more at ease. And then the other person reflects what they're hearing. So it sounds like what you're saying is you feel anxious when you see me texting my ex-girlfriend. Is that right? And then they say yes. So we'll do that for maybe three or four times. I'll say let's keep the sentences short to mm -hmm. two to three sentences at a time, not more than that, because it gets difficult to reflect mm -hmm. more than that. And then we do a validation piece where they share what part of what their partner said that makes sense to them. So the other person may say, well, it makes sense to me that you would feel anxious because, you know, we have dealt with infidelity in our relationship. And so mm -hmm. it's something about hearing your partner validate your experience that is so healing. Yeah. And so then we reverse roles where the other person is the speaker. That's fantastic. I'm going to steal that. Can I steal that from you? You can totally have it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so there is something called, I like John Gottman's work. John Gottman is a relationship researcher out of Seattle. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he found that there are certain things that 
predict divorce. There are mm-hmm. four main things. He studied couples in what's called longitudinal studies. So these mm-hmm. are studies like over a period of time. And he found that there are four main things. So I'll share with your audience what those things are. So yeah. one is criticism. Criticism mm-hmm. is when you attack the core of who your partner is. So you're the type of person who are you always X, Y, and Z. So that's a criticism. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is defensiveness. Defensiveness is when you cross complain or a person says, yeah, but I wouldn't do this. You wouldn't do that. So that's, right. that's defensiveness. And then contempt, contempt is kind of subtle. You can, sometimes couples feel like, oh, what's the big deal? Because mm-hmm. contempt can be very subtle, like sarcasm or hostile humor. Or your partner says something and they say, oh, this again, that's contempt. Contempt, the, the, the eye roll and the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's the big one. That um, is Mal- the big one. Malcolm Gladwell here in his book, Blink, he wrote about people who would watch couples in a room. They couldn't actually hear what they were saying, but they could tell by the contempt on their face and the tone of their voice that they were going to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. It's very, it has high predictive validity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why it's so important that couples discover what these things are, because sometimes you can be doing these things and not even aware that you're doing it or mm-hmm. not aware that the damage that it's causing to your relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we had criticism, contempt, Stonewalling is the last one. So stonewalling happens when one person withdraws, either physically withdraws or emotionally withdraws. A physical Mm -hmm. withdrawal is I just just walk away. I'm done with this conversation. I'm through with it. That's the physical stonewall. Or sometimes people come home every night, but they're not home home they come into the house but mentally emotionally they're checked out and you know your partner is checked out when you ask them a question how's everything going fine (laughs) (laughs) one word answer you do that too well (laughs) (laughs) i've seen it a lot and i've been there too and that's the thing about this is that a little bit of these things are fine but when it becomes pervasive and it's constant in your relationship, that's when it becomes a problem. Right. And I imagine that stonewalling in a pandemic must be brutal. Right. Absolutely. Because say, for example, it's just you and your spouse in the house and mm-hmm. your, your partner isn't talking to you. So then there's more isolation. For mm-hmm. some people, they feel abandoned when their partner stonewalls. They're like, they don't matter. And so mm-hmm. if that's your sole source of connection with the world, then mm-hmm. it can trigger depression. As far as solutions, I imagine reflective listening is one way to get through these, these four negative attributes. What else do you do to work through this stuff when someone's in the room and they're doing Doing, they're criticizing, they're stonewalling, they're showing contempt, etc. What do you, what do you, how do you handle it? So there are anecdotes for each one of them. The anecdote for criticism is state your feelings in a way that expresses a positive need. So instead of saying like, I'm tired, that you're always late. Instead of mm-hmm. saying that, say, you know, it makes me feel good when we can start on time. Or okay. instead of saying like, you're lazy and you never wash the dishes. Instead of saying, you know, it really makes me feel supported when you wash the dishes. Mm-hmm. Or instead of saying like, you suck as a parent. Like you, I take <laughs> on all of the responsibility in this house instead of saying well could you get the kids up and dressed in the morning yeah stating your feelings in a way that expresses a positive need has much more 
of an effective effective effect. Yes, that's that's brilliant. Oh, one of the things that I teach my couples is just basic positive reinforcement, which is when someone does something right, is to point it out. Like, hey, I really liked it the other day when you did such and such. I don't think couples do that enough. Definitely not. Definitely couples do not do that enough. And what gets reinforced gets continued. So if you know that it's something that you want your spouse to do, then acknowledge it. Show gratitude. Show appreciation. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. man, that made such a huge difference for me. You washing the dishes last night. I just felt so relaxed. I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> you know, I see your effort. And what would you recommend, you know, let's say, uh, you know, dad comes home from work and mom is, you know, maybe she's plopped in front of the TV and she's shut down or he's shut down. What do you recommend for a couple for couples when someone is stonewalled and kind of in their own world and kind of just shut down? How, how, how should they deal with that person? Great question. And so one is don't take it personally. You know, sometimes people do need a break and that's really normal to at times just want some space. Um, and so be willing to not take it personally. Be willing to find ways that you can be a support. There's this book that I love. It's called The Five Love Languages mm-hmm. by Gary Chapman. I did a retreat a few years ago with Gary Chapman. He's amazing. Guys, definitely check out this book. But he talks about how everybody receives love in different ways. For some people, they receive love with a compliment. For some people, they receive love through gifts, like a thoughtful gift or physical affection, acts of service or time. And so Pay attention to the things that your partner likes in terms of how they like to receive love and care and do those things, especially if you see that they're flooded or they're shut down. Look for ways that you can be a resource or or support for your partner. Now, there are certain things that I say to the person who's shut down that can be helpful. So um, one of the things is. Say when you need to have a break. Don't just walk away or don't just shut down, but say what's happening. You know, I feel like this conversation isn't going anywhere. Would it be okay if we take a break? And so it's something special about asking so that the person doesn't take it personally because they know, all right, you're flooded and you need a break. And so I said that's one important thing is ask to take a break. And then the second thing is set a time in that moment that you're going to come back. Because if your Mm -hmm. partner feels like you're abandoning them and you're not going to come back, then they start following you. No, we need to finish this conversation right now. (laughs) 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 I'm going to go to the gym. Can we come back in an hour and finish this conversation? I recommend that couples take 20 minutes to two hours, but not more than 24 hours when they're flooded and they're shut down. Mm-hmm. to come back mm-hmm. and then whoever's the person who initiated the break i'd like for that to be the person initiating coming back so the other partner is just not sitting in this warning place constantly mm-hmm. but they know that there's going to be this time that they'll come back to to mm-hmm. talk things through yeah that's that's great when people get flooded what is happening now john Gottman recommends that couples therapists use autometers to check their heart rate because a lot of times when someone is flooded they may not necessarily look flooded but if your heart rate reaches above 100 beats per minute 
typically you're in that flooded range. And when you're uh, flooded, it becomes very difficult to think rationally. It becomes very difficult to access what's called your prefrontal cortex, which is mm -hmm. responsible for higher order thinking, which is responsible for things like problem solving. It's difficult to do that. It's like when someone says, now what's the number to 911 in the midst of Think through what is happening when you enter yeah. what's called the fight or flight mode. So that's a lot of what's happening in this space when one person is flooded. Right. So what you call, what's the, an autometer? What's that? It's something that can check your heart rate. Now, now we have these smartphones where we don't need an autometer, but you could get one from Walmart if you don't have one of those smartphones that checks your heart rate. That um, exists? Smartphones can check our heart rates? <laughs> Yes. That's creepy. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't, so I don't want. Go to Walmart. That's and none of my phone's. That's none of my phone's business. You know, I got Bill Gates is going to know what my heart rate is. I don't. I don't want him. To, I don't want them to know that. <laughs> I hear that for sure. Yeah, but it's something helpful about knowing when you're flooded because you may think that you're fine, but then when. When your mm -hmm. partner says something and you get triggered and then you start attacking them or mm -hmm. it doesn't come out the right way and then yeah. it becomes difficult not to criticize because you feel attacked. And so just knowing when you're flooded can be extremely helpful. What are some of the physical indications that if I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, I'm flooded, but how might I know that I'm flooded? Your body can start to feel hot. For some people, they start to sweat. For some people, they can start to grind their teeth. For some mm -hmm. people, they wrench their hands together into a mm -hmm. fist. For other people, they might experience racing thoughts. All of these mm -hmm. are indicators that you may be flooded. One of the things I advise my couples not to do is to have conversations that damage the marriage or knowing when you're damaging the marriage. And this is a great technique for getting out of the room before you actually damage the marriage. What are some indicators that a conversation is, even if it's difficult, is good for the marriage? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like a good fight, a healthy fight. You know, conflict is not all a bad thing. Sometimes mm -hmm. conflict reveals to us the things that we need to change. And mm -hmm. if we're completely avoidant of conflict, then true transformation doesn't happen. So I think one of the things that are indicators that this is a healthy conflict is we're willing to hear each other. We're willing to acknowledge our part. You know, yeah, I did say that wrong. You're right. I could have handled that differently. But being willing to take some responsibility. I'm not saying all responsibility for every yeah. problem in the relationship, but some responsibility, I think, is a really good thing. And okay. you're listening. You're willing to compromise. All of those things are good signs that it's a healthy conflict. My therapist used to say that if it doesn't hurt, it isn't true. And his point was, is that, as you say, transformation and growth seems to come from a, a modicum of difficulty and suffering. Not too I much, agree. though. I agree. Yeah, sometimes we need that to motivate ourselves to do something different. Like, we're not yeah. motivated until, all right, something is wrong. I need to look at this. Um, let me switch gears a little bit here. Um, what are you seeing with children and in terms of couples like managing childcare, dealing with the kids? teaching their kids, that whole mess. Because I'm seeing that that seems to be the one of the biggest sticking points because a lot of these households, you know, even if they're super community oriented, they're not used to having their children home all the time. Yeah, for a number of people, there's this feeling of one person taking on the boatload of responsibility when it comes to the childcare needs. And then that can start to cause resentment in the relationship. And then sometimes there's this feeling of, no, I got it. I can handle it. I can do mm -hmm. it. 
but then still this underlying feeling of but I don't want to do it all the time like like mm-hmm. sometimes it's conflicting feelings of nobody can do it like I can but then inwardly resenting that you are doing most mm-hmm. of the work and so I think couples who are able to just have clear communication about what their needs are about how they can find balance with the child care needs about how they can access support when it comes to the children and feel like the gender roles are balanced those couples are really thriving couples who have egalitarian relationships where there's some sense of shared power in the relationship and flexibility around gender roles those couples are also thriving and then just there's a lot of more added responsibility. Parents are having to be teachers where they they never had to be a teacher before, but they're having to learn how to mm-hmm. facilitate a lesson plan. And it's difficult for a lot yeah. of people to sit still in one area for hours. Yeah. I got one guy in my practice. He has to teach his, I think his six-year-old. He, he, says, he just says to me, why won't the information stick? Why won't he learn? It's like, maybe it's you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just sharing that in a gentle way that you know you're having to do this job that you've never had to do before you know you you may not be the best Mm -hmm. at it and so let's see how we can up level our skills let's see how we can get some support in here Mm -hmm. it's easy sometimes to get in this kind of blaming kind of space of blaming Mm -hmm. someone else but really looking at okay this is tough this is tough so normalizing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else in terms of what we talked about regarding any topic that we've discussed that you want to share? Um, we talked about stonewalling for defensiveness is to accept responsibility for criticism is state your feelings using high statements that express a positive need. And then for contempt, we do have to be mindful of our nonverbals because that's like 80 to 86% of communication mm-hmm. is not necessarily the words that we say, but how mm-hmm. we say it, our tone, our body mm-hmm. language. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, body language and tone? What's not good and uh, how can people correct it? Sure. Sometimes I see that people are not looking at their partner, mm-hmm. like just kind of t- completely turn the other way while they're mm-hmm. talking. And so that's communicating a message like what you're saying, I'm not listening to you. And sometimes people don't even know that they're checked mm-hmm. out. And so just kind of noticing mm-hmm. how am I following with my body language my partner mm-hmm. is my am I giving them my eye contact is my body turned towards mm-hmm. them are my arms folded because that can communicate I'm shut down I'm not here just noticing like how your arms your eyes your facial expression all of that communicates a message um, and I guess just calling awareness to that I don't think people realize most of the time what they're communicating honestly I think you're right yeah a lot of times people don't know what they're communicating Mm -hmm. or or the impact that it's having and so all of a sudden their partner responds and they're like whoa like why is my partner responding like this but because of that that nonverbal that they didn't even say a word but it's just their nonverbal communication Mm -hmm. that speaks so loudly. Yeah. Speaking of nonverbal communication, like on the streets, I noticed that people actually were making a lot more eye contact and being a lot friendlier since the pandemic. I don't know if it's because they're less stressed or what. I, I just noticed that people are a lot, a lot nicer. I don't know. Are you noticing anything like that or are you seeing the opposite? I have noticed it as well. It's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. 
I think maybe it's missing connection. Yeah. When you walk down the street, people say, hey, how are you? Now, I'm from the South, so that is kind of normal to say mm-hmm. hello, but a lot more eye contact. Normally, mm-hmm. people may say, hey, how you doing? But keep yeah. moving, keep yeah. walking. Now, it's like a more, much more subtle, like waiting until you that's answer. Fascinating. I'll tell you, there's there's no community in the world, I think, that's more shut down than the, uh, the white folk of San Francisco when it comes to making eye contact. <laughs> Like if you make eye contact with someone on the street, especially if it's a young woman, it's trouble. You know, it's like, why are you looking at me? And it's like, you get this sort of cold, like they kind of, they shrink up and they kind of speed up. Yeah, I see that. I did a study abroad program in Mm -hmm. London and it's kind of like that in London too, (laughs) where (laughs) quickly, no eye contact, head down and moving fast. Yeah. How do people get like that? Like, why why do we do that to each other? When I I walk through uh, some of the black neighborhoods in San Francisco, it's uplifting. It's like they're talking to each other. They're waving. It's it's great. Like, why can't we? Why can't the rest of America get on board with that one? What's going on? I think that you know there are definitely cultural differences that exist that impact just the way that we connect with each other. In Western society, we have much more of a higher like individualistic cultural mm-hmm. norm that exists. I think that plays mm-hmm. a role. And then also, I used to live in New York. I think there are regional differences that exist mm-hmm. as well. I went to Fordham University for my master's degree in counseling. And when I was in New York, it was such a major cultural shock yeah. for me because I am like just kind of people walking slowly hey how you doing that mm-hmm. kind of thing and in New York everybody's yeah. in a hurry all the time in a hurry I gotta get where I'm going I don't have time yeah. for any extra this yeah. and so I found that just being in that space I started walking fast and I was like why am I walking fast <laughs> I'm like, I can have a leisurely stroll but I'm like power walking through yeah, the subway right. <laughs> I remind myself, like, you're okay, slow yeah. down, you don't have I've seen uh, Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. It's yeah, I've seen he, it. When he goes to, to Manhattan and he walks up and says, you know, you know, howdy, you know, I'm, I'm from Australia or whatever. And, like, it introduces himself, like, just some, just some random guy on the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I gave him a strange look, like, yeah. what is the yeah, world? what's going on here? Uh, but it's just, I just think it's a strange world we live in where saying hello to somebody is seen as a social affront or, or waving or smiling is seen as an aggressive yes. act. And I, 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 it makes me so sad. And I just think that so many of the world's problems would be solved if people just started looking at each other and smiling and saying hello. I mean, just imagine what would change overnight, you know, if everyone just started doing that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. We've had so many different racial issues that have come mm. up in our country, especially in the most recent months since the pandemic happened. And so I'm hoping that be this kind of shift that mm. happens where there is a bridge Sometimes things get bad before they get worse, so that shift can occur. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that this shift will begin to occur. Mm -hmm. Well, I was, uh, this is a little bit about me. I used to be a fat guy. Um, I was about 300 pounds. And uh, yeah, and I can tell you that what happened was as I lost weight, people started making eye contact with me and smiling. Yeah, yeah, and I got better like conversation in grocery stores, restaurants, just male and female. There was no difference. Everybody was just nicer and kinder and would just look at you more. It's weird. And um, I don't know what it's like to be a minority, but I imagine it's something like that. I imagine that it's a little bit mm-hmm. like 
you're you feel invisible. That's my guess. Yeah, and that is not a healthy thing. That is just the worst. Like abandonment, and it's 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 almost like banishment. You know, in a lot of cultures, banishment is the worst punishment. And mm-hmm. absolutely, and, that. And I think true. we're a country that we banish whole communities. You don't exist. You're you're invisible, and it's not the. Uh, I'm not going to get into the into the what the actual actions that people take, but the non-actions, you know, it's the, because it's not measurable. It's not measurable how often people aren't smiling at each other. It's not measurable. Like when you walk into the grocery store and the security guard is a Filipina or whatever, and you just walk past that person, like they don't exist. It's a tiny little thing, but imagine that happening to somebody a thousand times a day. How's that going to shape their mindset? That's kind of my, that's what I've been looking at lately. And I'm wondering if COVID is going to help you know, ameliorate some of that, but I don't know. Hopefully it does. Hopefully it does. Cause I definitely think that a shift needs to mm-hmm. happen in our country. And I know that me being like an African-American female married to a black male, my husband might be walking down mm-hmm. the street and then someone walks across to the oh, other side of the boy. street first, and we're both graduate <laughs> educated people. PhD, like, and so it's just so strange, you know, that feeling of like being, I don't even know, I I think it may be even worse than than being ignored. Ignored is a part that happens Mm -hmm. at times. And then there's this other element of you feeling like you're like something is like, like something bad. You've done something happened. wrong. Like you've done something. Like you're a right. bad person. You're an immoral. Because it really mm-hmm. sends a, that sends a very strong message when you cross the street like that. That's uh, palpable. Like you said, like eighty percent of communication is nonverbal, and that that's like someone putting nonverbal communication on the on a loudspeaker. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. yeah. Uh, so we're gonna move into the last section here. What's gonna change? In all this, do you think anything is going to change? And if anything is going to change, do you think anything is going to stick in the terms of what's positive? What do you think is going to, what's going to happen next you know, few years? I think that as a result of COVID, I think it's going to bring more families mm-hmm. together. I think families are discovering new ways to bond and connect. Um, like even myself, my nephew, he came to visit me for a week. We found ourselves just doing so many just random things that I'm sure we wouldn't be doing if it was like the whole world was open up, like playing cards, mm-hmm. playing checkers, mm-hmm. like just so many different things, like going for a walk mm-hmm. outside. Like I think there are different like ways to connect with your family, with couples, with one another that COVID is allowing for mm-hmm. that to happen. There's like this discovery of one another in this new way. I can remember someone telling me that I didn't realize that we don't spend that much yeah. time together until we're spending all of the, mm-hmm. the time together. And so I think that's one of the benefits of this season mm-hmm. that we're in is it's allowing families to to reconnect in this new yeah. powerful way. Uh, it didn't Gottman say that the average couple spends like 30 minutes a week talking or something, some abysmally slow yeah. amount. What's the number? I know I've read a statistic that he wrote that said couples on average kiss for uh, six seconds. And I was like, oh my uh, gosh, six seconds? <laughs> six seconds? That's like not yeah. any time. And so that's 
part of the work that I do with the couples in my After I Do Academy is I work with them on, there's this thing, it's called the Five Magical Hours. Have you heard of that? No, I've not. Can you say, talk about it? Sure, absolutely. So the Five Magical Hours is two minutes every workday, Monday through Friday, where couples are connecting with each other in the morning. So that could be asking like, how, what do you have planned for the day? And then it's 20 minutes at the end of the day, Monday through Friday of like a reunion of how'd your day go i know you were gonna have this podcast yeah. interview <laughs> with benjamin how did it go and so that's the uh -huh. reunion and then uh -huh. it's a date night once a week two hours just the couple with each other two hour date night um there's physical intimacy as a part of it five minutes seven days a week kissing touching playfulness massage find that that releases oxytocin mm -hmm. which is the love hormone it's the bonding hormone and when couples are physically affectionate regularly they're able to reignite the intimacy in a new way so that's an important part and then the other piece is sharing with each other gratitude things that they appreciate about one another mm -hmm. every day that's great the need for these types of tools right now is just incredible do you think that couples that learn this kind of stuff stick with it? I think couples who learn this type of thing and they recognize the value mm -hmm. of it, they stick with it. Sometimes couples will tell me, Dr. Lewis, I don't have a whole mm -hmm. lot of time. And my thought is, do you have time for a divorce? Because <laughs> divorce is it's not easy either. It's going to cost you some money and it's going to be a huge time yeah. investment. Because if you don't invest the yeah. time now, when your relationship is like mm -hmm. on the brink, if you don't invest it now, what happens yeah. if you don't? So what do you recommend for couples who are suffering, but let's say they don't have access to a therapist or they can't afford a therapist such as yourself? What would you recommend they do? Oh, that's a great question. So for couples who can't access mental health mm -hmm. services, I think there are so many different resources out there, like there are books. I wrote a book. It's called mm -hmm. Marital Peace. And in that book, basically what happened was growing up, I saw a lot of divorce. And when I say a lot of divorce, literally everybody oh, wow. in my family is oh, divorced. Aunts, uncles, siblings, grandparents. So when I was growing up, I only saw the only couples that I saw that were married and happy were like on mm -hmm. television. And so I watched the Cosby show. And I was like, oh, <laughs> the Cosby show. They're happy and they're just in love and so then when i got to graduate school you know you can study whatever you want to study so of course i chose studying relationships and so i did this dissertation where i found that there were certain determinants that predicted couples being happy in their relationship certain things that made couples find more fulfillment in their relationship and report higher levels of satisfaction. And so at the end of my dissertation, I was like, this took me a lot of work to produce. Why don't I put it in a book? And so I put it in the book, mm -hmm. Marital Peace. I didn't want to just climb the ladder and kick the ladder down behind me, but I wanted to put it into mm -hmm. a resource that couples are able to use and find find strategies on mm -hmm. on building more satisfaction in their relationship. So that's one resource. And then also the After I Do Academy, that's a resource. It's a membership program that I do with couples 
So a lot of couples, they may not be able to afford a counseling, but they could afford $19 a month. And so that's the After I Do Academy. They get a Q&A session with me, a couples therapist, and then they also get expert trainings mm -hmm. every month. And so inside the portal, there are trainings on communication, on intimacy, on rebuilding trust. Some of the main areas that I see that couples get stuck mm -hmm. the most. So that's another resource. And then also I have a YouTube channel as well. So if you want like kind of five minute snippets on, all right, what can I do in this moment? Then definitely check out my YouTube channel. It's Dr. Okay. Laura Lewis. That's fantastic. Is there anything else that you want to discuss? No, I just think the main thing is that couples out there, your listeners are continuing to grow in their relationship. It was just a few years ago, I had major surgery. I had a cyst on my ovaries and I had to have it removed and I went in for surgery and my mom was there who I adore she is a therapist as well and so she ended up getting me this plant and every time I look at the plant I think I think of my mother and then one day I was looking at it and I was like oh my gosh my plant is dying it's like started withering and I was like what is happening and I realized that I had not been watering it and I think our relationships are the exact same way that we have to make sure that we're investing in watering mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. daily well before we close what are some ways to water the plant I mean we talked about validating we talked about appreciating somebody. Is there any other ways that people can sort of, you know, walk by that plant and dump a little water in it that, that maybe they hadn't thought of that are just small things? I think small things are like showing gratitude and appreciation for what your partner does. I know a couple they said, okay, my wife makes steak every single week. Like at first when she made the steak, it was delicious. Yay. I love the steak. But now I've had that steak every week. For the last four years, and it kind of loses some of its excitement. But I think if you can find ways to validate, to acknowledge, to show gratitude and appreciation to your partner, even for the things that they do that they've been doing a long time, because, you know, sometimes we can start to take each other for granted. Like, you're yeah. just supposed to cook the meals. You're supposed to take out the trash. Like, that's your yeah. job. You take the trash out. But no, like let's acknowledge it. Let's let's make sure that we make sure that each other feels appreciated, acknowledged, and know that they matter. Well, listen, thank you so much, Dr. Laura Lewis. Um, this has been really cool. Uh, you're my first phone-in guest. I, I, I'm suddenly feeling uh, a, a lot more important because I got <laughs> somebody that I've never actually met who uh, looked me up and um, wanted to be a guest. And I really appreciate your time. And I've learned a lot. You definitely helped me brush up on my skills. So uh, maybe I can charge more now because I'm... I, I got, I got the, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this interview and I love the space that you created to be able to have these conversations. Well, thank you very much and take care. Thank you for listening. Additional information regarding this podcast will appear in the program notes. Should you have any questions or wish to be a guest on my podcast, please contact me at benjaminrusick at gmail.com or check out my website at benjaminrusick.com. Thanks again. And remember, should you find that your plate is full, well, consider getting a bigger plate.